welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 112. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Next Gen's seventh season episodes, Bloodlines, Emergence, and Preemptive Strike. Here we go. Bloodlines, Season 7, Episode 22, Production Number 274. Original air date, May 2nd, 1994. Directed by Les Landau, written by Nick Sagan, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Lee Ehrenberg as Bach, Ken Oland as Jason Vigo, Peter Slitzker as Berta, Amy Pietz as Sandra Rhodes, and Michaelin Sisti as Toll. <laughs> Picard receives a disturbing message from Damon Bach, the Ferengi whose son Picard killed in battle years before. Bach says he plans to avenge the death by killing Picard's son, Jason Vigo. Picard is unaware he had a son, but did have a relationship with Vigo's mo- mother 24 years earlier. Since D- Jason is in danger regardless of his parentage, Picard sets course for Kamar 5, where the young man lives, locates and beams the surprised young man aboard. Is even more surprised when Picard fills him in on the situation and agrees to take a genetic test, which soon reveals that Picard is his father. I would like to make one thing clear, Jason. Your mother never told me about you. If she had, I would have been part of your life. Maybe that's not what she wanted. Bloodlines. My first thought on this episode was, it's it's a hell of a thing to like have whole starship to yourself because you could be like set a course for my potential kid (laughs) it's like oh this little thing came up and all right we're gonna do this thing you know it's a little bit like (laughs) yeah yeah should we maybe check with starfleet about your personal problem before we uh Lowly way as a captain you know yeah i guess an ensign down below it's like (laughs) hey bridge uh my son might be my son maybe on this planet. Me not. <laughs> Adam, why don't you start us off on Bloodlines? Bloodlines. Um, I like the episode. I found it interesting. I, I like the scenes between Picard and Vigo. Obviously, you get to see a kind of, I guess, kind of a, I mean, you see Picard, you know, he's trying to justify it to himself when um you know he first goes to Beverly you know like oh maybe I shouldn't even talk to this guy you know we haven't you know so he's kind of justifying it so that whole process that he goes through um uh, which would obviously be traumatic for anybody finding out that you have a son and then obviously somebody wants to kill them you have to protect them and you're forced into this situation but I, I did enjoy the the episode the scenes but with um Jason I can't recall the name of the actor um so I, I like the episode. I wouldn't say it was like, oh my god, episode, but it was good. Steve? Yeah, first? yeah, I, I like it fine. You know, I agree. It's not like something great or in my opinion, but um I think it's interesting because of course you, you take uh you know, take Picard and, you know, put him in this very um uncomfortable situation. Something it's like it's it's you know, it's one of these fish out of water things where you take and someone like Patrick Stewart, such a great actor, and you basically, okay, now imagine you just discover this and, you know, it's 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 kind of like playing catch up like you you have you have Picard who is very very much about duty honor, you know, morals. And so, okay, 
I'm responsible for my ship, but okay, let I really believe this person's my son now and the actions he takes and decisions they make. And I and I agree. I like I like the exchanges between him and the the Jason Vigo character. I thought I thought that guy did a pretty good job, you know. It's I it was believable and it was I thought it was pretty interesting. Is it weird at all that they're sort of doing a sequel to a what first season episode? That's a little bit weird. I mean, this yeah, they is, make a small this reference to this, it. This is the end of the seventh season, mm-hmm. and they're doing a sort of sequel to a first season episode. That's that's pretty. Lengthy. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that being a little odd, but you know, if they didn't make the reference, I probably wouldn't have recalled it. To be honest, that's how you know little they really kind of pay attention to. Bach so it's not the... really necessary that you would remember yeah. the battle or anything, right? They go, it's pretty pretty clear that this guy wants revenge. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, when Picard talks about, you know, six years earlier, he tried to kill me. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, that's where the little mind game thing came in. It is a different actor, too, right? The, the Ferengi? Yeah. 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 I don't I couldn't, my research, I couldn't figure out why they changed actors. Yeah. Must have been. He never blinked either. The other guy must have not been available because he, he yeah. played subsequent things on Star right, Trek. Right, right. Um, um, yeah, you know the stuff I like in this episode. I think I'm probably about the same as you guys. It's uh, it's a solid episode. Uh, what makes it worth your time is Patrick Stewart's performance. He's 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 so good, and the other guy, you're right, the guy that played Jason is pretty good. And their scenes together are really solid. You know, um, yeah, really solid. Um, the scene. And not just the two of them. Like, there's a scene in the beginning where Picard tells Riker about mm-hmm. Miranda and his history there. Yeah, I like that, that scene. Was, too. Yeah, it was very. It was almost a sweet scene. I don't know. It was very like, you know, he doesn't seem doesn't seem like he's telling him this, telling Riker this information because the Enterprise has been diverted that direction. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. captain. He doesn't have to. <laughs> we've established yeah. that. It's like he's telling him because they're they're friends or something. You know. Um, that's what it feels like, uh, and that that scene is good. And, and um, and then yeah, that that scene between Picard and Jason in the holodeck, the um, the rock climbing. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of history stuff there. They talk about this woman, you know, Jason's mother Miranda, and her raising the kids. But we hear a lot about Picard's past too. He talks about. Again, about his father and how he never rectified that, um, and his and the performances are just really good. And then one thing I really want us to talk about is the very, very, very end, the last shot. You know, um, we just, we find out that Jason is in fact not his son. Jason, they don't, they don't. Their goodbye is a little, you know, it's a little weird because they've obviously formed some kind of a connection, but hey, we're no longer biologically related. Right. Um, so you know, you don't just turn that off. It's a little bit weird. Um, I'm wondering if if you think if you think something anything about that, any could have been better for one thing, the way their relationship parted, or was it right for who they were and who they become? And two, that very last moment where you see Picard's face, and maybe I'm reading into this, but he almost seems like. I don't know. It almost seems like disappointment. Like maybe there was a part of him that did want um, a child. And in some of my research for this episode, uh, I discovered that originally there was a little bit more to that scene. I think there was some stuff a little bit more on the nose where maybe they actually talked about um, 
you know, I wish you were my dad or I wish you were my mm-hmm. kid, not, you know, something along those lines. But, and then maybe that got, uh, dialed back a bit because of the family stuff that was going to be happening in, um, generations. But, um, I kind of felt like, you know, the cliff scene where, you know, um, Jason talks about, you know, you don't know me, I'm a criminal and that kind of thing. And Picard says he knows all about it. I kind of felt like there was that kind of, the actor did a great, good, did a good job. You could kind of see it in his face where he was like, this person still accepts me even though I'm a criminal and that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I wasn't dissatisfied with the end. I, I'm, I don't know how, where else they could have taken it. I kind of I kind of liked that they kept it subtle, you know, and didn't go into some big thing about oh, you know, I really wish you were my son, you were my father, blah blah blah. Yeah. Because because I agree, you kind of read it. I think they're good enough actors where you read it in their face, and and they'd established this was you know we all we all know about Picard and his uh, affinity for archaeology, and he gave him something valuable. And you know, obviously, this is long after they you know they knew it was he wasn't his son, and he still was a meaningful thing, and. Even though clearly, you know, I I thought I I liked it. I thought it was good. Did you guys see anything in in Picard's face there at the end? Was I reading into that disappointment? No, was I that, could see that. No, no, I, I I would agree with you there. Um, you know, and they they go into that obviously in generations a little bit more. Um, do you think that he? I don't know. Do you think stuff like this maybe changed his mind or? It's, it's interesting that we saw on DS9 that it really was possible because prior to DS9 there was such a sense of, you know, the original series we had lots of that, um, the sense of if you're captain that's, you know, you're married to the ship, you can't have a family, you can't have a wife, you can't have a kid. Um, we saw a lot of that even not just in the original series but even, you know, I always remember the 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 bit in the beginning of Generations when we see. Kirk on the Enterprise B, and he sees that Sulu, Sulu's offspring, and he's like, you know, where did you find the time? I was, you know, you, if you're a captain, um, and we've seen lots of that same sort of thing on uh, Next Gen. But you know, in DS9, we saw we saw a man raise a son who was also a captain. Um, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think things like this have made Picard? regret any of his choices it's, it's do, you, do, do you feel like he played regret in any of these scenes i think maybe a little bit you know i think i think it's complex you know because i think even even people that are reasonably certain that the choices they make are right for them in terms of things like you know having a child or not or you know career moves you know people most people are going to think about the other side they're going to think about well what if you know even if they believe that this is right for me that i didn't do that so it's kind of hard to say if it's regret or not you know but certainly everyone has times where the other choice whatever that was people consider and think about well what if there you know let me let me ponder that you get this wistful about it or whatever i think it may be something like that I think there was a little bit of the, you know, once he found out he had a son, that even though there was nothing that he's, I think he mm. might have regretted that he wasn't a part of his life through, for all those years. I don't, I don't feel like, yeah, <coughs> that he missed out on that, that he wasn't allowed to make that choice one way or the other. Maybe. I mean, you know, I think Picard, you know, Picard, Picard chose not to have a family, but I think, you know, if it, he, he's the kind of moral character. If he was a father, he would be a father. He yeah. wouldn't be a an absentee dad. Maybe once he thought he had a, ch- a son, he started letting himself fantasize a little bit about, 
you know, mm-hmm. what he could. Well, go ahead. I was going to say what what's kind of cool about this that you don't see Picard as a captain. You see, you know, he's he's much softer, just in mm-hmm. posture and tone. Look at that joke like, he makes on that hol- in that holodeck scene <laughs> about <laughs> his about his hairline. Yeah. yeah. How un- it's it's funny. It's great. He performs it well. I'm I'm, I'm glad he didn't insist the writers take that take that line out. <laughs> um, but it's it's a very vul- vulnerable line. It's yeah. it's not a line we expect to hear from Picard when he's talking to anybody ever. Right. You know. Right. I think what fascinates me so much about this and um, is this notion that you know you have. You know, it's clear early on. It's clear that the the Jason Vigo character doesn't really want to have anything to do with him. You know, wants this to be over with and we move on, right? So there's really no motivation for Picard to, you know, want to to get to to feel like an obligation to get to know him and take care of him. It's a grown man. It's not a child. He needs a support, something like that. And so, yet he does anyway. And I think what's fascinating to me about that is this kind of arbitrary nature of. Uh, you find out this fact that turns out wasn't true, and that makes you take action. Like, okay, I, I need to jump in gear here and become the. Let me know all about you. You know about me. Let's bond. Like, you know, it's 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 not organic, really, right? And I mean, and ultimately, it turns on its head. By the end of it, they do form something, and it turns out they're not really father and son. But it's kind of yeah. like who cares? It kind of like proves mm-hmm. the point that that's not really the 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 real important thing here you know it's mm-hmm. it's the choice to make a bond it's the it's the effort and what le- you know leads humans to come together and have contact you know well it sounds like we're starting to get into what it's about um is that kind of the direction you you would go with that what what this episode is really about for me that's what i felt that's that's what at least what struck me the most on this viewing of it was that idea that you know it's it's the important bonds between people doesn't necessarily need to be a genetic thing. And, um, I think, I think from beginning to end, it really is something that, that is, that is addressed in a way because early on it's, you know, one or both are struggling in their own ways, even though they believe they're father and son by the end, they're not really father and son, but they're tight, you know, and it's, yeah. Is this an episode that that's played differently to you? uh, You know, when you were younger versus today, or I, I, it's hard to say because, but I don't remember thinking those things at the time. Of course, so it's hard to say if it's age. It's hard to say if that it, you know, growing more critical and looking for things too because of what we're doing. So it's 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 hard to say what that is. But I, I suspect that growing older has an effect on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's kind of well. They their common bond was um, obviously Jason's mother, and I kind of felt like Picard really did have true feelings for his mm-hmm. mother and concern and empathy, and I think that's probably where it, you know, regarding as Steve said, regardless if their father or son or not, they shared. I think they shared a genuine love for mm-hmm. this woman. Yeah. So, it's, so Mr. Caesar, what it's about. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Steve. Um, he said it more eloquently than I could have. But yeah, it's about making the choice to form bonds with people and not being afraid to do that. Because it would have been really easy for them, that both of them, just to say, you know what, stay away from me, I'll stay away from you, stay away from me, that kind of thing. You know, Ricard started off that way. I was like, oh, I'll just leave him alone. But they, they chose to to make that choice. And, you know, Ricard opens up about, like, he never made that mm-hmm. choice because his father... And he didn't want him to. He didn't want that to happen between the two of them, even though they'd been in this, 
unique situation where they hadn't didn't know about each other or seen each other for their his Jason's entire life, obviously. I like that Picard goes to um, you know, how many times on this series have we been able to see Picard go to uh Crusher for mm. um <laughs> uh parenting advice. <laughs> um I saw Ron Moore commented about he thought thought this episode was and this is years ago, but maybe it was redundant. He was referencing I don't remember the name of it, but remember that episode where there was the younger guy who was he was like maybe you know, 14 or something, and he had been raised by some aliens that had killed his human parents. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but actually, I remember, I mean, it feels like I liked this episode more than that one, you know? No, I agree with that, yeah. Same yeah. here, yeah. So, um, if it's better, it's it does, it does, it's not redundant. It's mm-hmm. an improvement. <laughs> right. It's a fix. You got 170 some episodes to work with. I mean, if you can right. touch on one thing one more time and make it better, yeah. you know, for sure. sure. And that's what we're going to be doing probably for the next two discussions: the, uh, the ultimate holodeck episode and the <laughs> ultimate row episode. But before we do that, let's move on to six degrees for bloodlines. Let's see, um, Adam. Yes. Lee Ehrenberg plays Damon Bach, the man that makes Picard a daddy. <laughs> well, that came out differently than I <laughs> thought when I wrote it. Well, you should say these things out loud, bro. <laughs> right. I think, I think you're probably right. Uh, Ehrenberg's first appearance as a Ferengi was in the first season of DS9, when Grand Negazek announces Quark will succeed him. Name the episode. Um, the Grand Negus? You're so close that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a chance to clarify your answer. The Nagus? You're correct. It was the Nagus. <laughs> Steve, mm-hmm. Peter Sletsker plays Berta, the Ferengi that helps Picard locate Bach, although Picard doesn't have to thank him. In Voyager's fourth season, he played a commandant in the two-parter Year of Hell, in which his species uses their ability to alter time to try to restore their empire. Name the species. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I remember the episode, but geez. I'll know it when I hear it, but I can't come up with it. Adam? I have no idea. The Krenum with K. Mm-hmm. K-R-E-N-I-M, Krenum. All right, one nothing, moving on. Emergence, Season 7, Episode 23, Production Number 275, Original Air Date, May 9th, 1994, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Story by Brandon Braga, Teleplay by Joe Minoski, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include David Huddleston as the conductor, Vinnie Argera as the hitman, Thomas Capacci as the engineer, and Arlie Reed as the hayseed. Picard and the crew are concerned with an unexplained series of mechanical malfunctions um, that are occurring aboard the Enterprise. First, a runaway train suddenly appears in the holodeck, and the ship takes itself into warp and locks out all the propulsion access. Determined to regain control, Picard orders an emergency core shutdown, but before Geordi can carry out the order, the ship takes itself out of warp. An investigation reveals the Enterprise somehow protected itself. It would have exploded just moments later if it didn't go to warp. What are you suggesting? Unlikely as it may sound, I believe the Enterprise may be forming an intelligence. 
emergence. Who started us off last time? Adam, right? Uh, Steve, why don't you start us off on emergence? All right. Yeah, this is a certainly a memorable episode. I mean, it is kind of a the ultimate holodeck, you know, mashup or whatever you want to call it. Um, I I uh, I like it. I think it's got something to say. I think, but in some ways, this episode kind of grates on me. And I don't. I think it's that aspect of. You know, sometimes um, for me, like a, a mystery kind of episode, like what's it trying to say? These kinds of things um, gets hit the point where it 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 almost goes too far. In that, you know, if, if the whole point of it is this perplexing, hmm, so that could mean this, and that could mean this, and that could mean that. For me, that's like what what the whole thing I'm trying to solve, you know. And I'm just thinking about that, and it's. It's it's almost goofy at times or whatever all the symbolism you know that's that's kind of how I feel. My problem is that there's not enough episode when they do this sort of thing. Like my Mm -hmm. problem with this episode, and and it's it's fine. I don't hate it. I don't particularly like it. Um, But it feels like ninety percent of the episode, um, our crew is just trying to catch up. They're not doing anything except yeah what's what's going on you know um and the only time they take any action or really do anything is right near the end uh whenever they steer the ship to that nebula and launch a photon torpedo so they can cause it to create uh whatever particles um mm. that they needed and that's like the only time they do anything even the even the the birth like it just the little cargo bay birth just you know flies out um and that starts to feel a little bit, I don't know. It's like it it it's, it can only stay interesting for so long when that's all that's happening. Yeah. To me. Um, but it's certainly a very nutty episode. I, I think the parts of this episode that I enjoy are the parts that oddly it, it feels so much like an original series episode to hmm. me. Like if the original series was going to hmm. do a next gen episode. Yeah. You know, this is what they they would have done, and it, it's not just. I mean, it's in more than ways than one. Like the concept, it definitely. But other things too, like all that that studio lot, like that Paramount lot that they shot on for the New York Street. It really looks like a studio lot in the mm-hmm. way that every time they went outside on <laughs> on the original series, that's what right. it felt like. You know, so stuff like that make it even even like having some stock footage in there of train stuff. How many up next in episodes use stock footage? So a lot of that stuff made it feel. Um, like an original series episode for me. And oddly, that was kind of fun, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Adam? Um, I would agree. It, it, um, original series storyline, or maybe a first or second season storyline. Um, I, I would definitely kind of agree with like kind of the concept. Of, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I didn't remember the I actually remember the episode because the opening teases so you know I love those little scenes when they've done this a few times where Data's um doing some Shakespeare play and you know obviously Picard is hanging out they're hanging out in the holodeck going over character acting and stuff and like then that. they get railroaded yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um I enjoyed the episode I didn't quite get so maybe you two can kind of explain to me as I'm said um before we started the show I'm li- I was a little sleepy watching this episode what exactly caused was it the enterprise itself or was it some sort of what caused this little life form to be made that's what all- i think hurts if it, 
the episode moves along enough that you don't really spend any time thinking about it. But if you do, it hurts it because it sure seems like they're they're saying this just happened because yeah. the Enterprise was such a complex system. Which is an interesting it, concept. And it's a very interesting concept. You know, it makes you think about all the machines around us. Like, man, you think about your phone, like all the things that it's doing at the same time. It's, it is really crazy. And maybe it isn't that far before, you know, it, right, if, yeah. before, if nothing else, that it, that it emulates sentience or something. But that's, it's, just a big, it's just a big ask, you know, as opposed to if they just said, you know, when we went through that so-and-so, the so-and-so expanse, something happened in the so-and-so, and then these some creature came in and started building these nodes, and I don't know. I don't know. They could have just one little extra bit would have made it sit a little better with me. But otherwise, why? you know, we've seen even more advanced starships than the Enterprise-D. Why aren't they all having babies? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know this was kind of disappointing here is that if their if their notion was you know we've only got a couple episodes left let's like do a character story for the Enterprise in a way I mean that's an interesting notion yeah. you know but it doesn't I don't I don't feel that way like I mean I get how important you know as an iconic thing it is but it doesn't feel really a character and this episode doesn't do anything for the characters you know it's just like you said they're just chasing something and at the end they do this thing and it's the old it's like an old yarn okay well, a life form left the enterprise and you know we've seen this in various incarnations and it's just kind of okay one one episode to go or whatever use that one up <laughs> you know, and, huh. I don't know it, it did kind of make me think, though, because I was reading those articles about, you know, there's been rumors about a new Trek going back to TV and stuff like that. Who knows if they're true or not, but it would be way off in the future. So I was thinking, you know, could they actually use the ship as a character where, you know, it's more sure. of a sentient life being? How would that work out and if they would even consider something like that? Mm. I, I remember, it's not sentience, but I remember how cool I thought it was that Voyager had organic gel packs or whatever mm. they were, you know. To make the communications inner ship, you know, technological communications, not like people to people, but to make that stuff faster, that was that was neat. I always thought that was a cool concept, you know. And we've certainly seen the idea of these of some machines that are that are designed around using the same kinds of systems uh, mm -hmm. as the human body, and just like Data pointed out, you know, his positronic net is you know in some ways designed in a similar you know in some kind of similar concepts to the human brain it's, um the, these these are interesting concepts um because you know the the enterprise computer up to this point is kind of an advanced version of Siri just kind of <laughs> this is voice activated that is one thing <laughs> that the, the scene in, in um when they're talking about like Oh yes, the communication system is the this, and the, you know, it, it's a little bit like I don't know. They just keep keep going with that. <laughs> yeah, just, um, I won't even I won't even mess with that anymore. But you know, right, right, right. It is a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. I always remember this episode. is It's another one of those that. Clicks in my brain. Oh, must be near the end of the the entire series to do you know emergence. Um, but I will say that my memory of this episode was that it was much worse than it was. Like I remembered really kind of disliking this episode and thinking, oh, that's the one where the ship becomes sentient. It's so stupid, and it 
breaks Star Trek after that. I wouldn't go that far now. I would not go that far now. Well, I would agree with you, Brian. I when I when I first realized what episode this was, I was like, oh yeah, I don't didn't have good feelings. But I didn't, after watching, I wasn't like didn't feel as bad as I did when I first started watching it. What what you know? I I liked I liked the. Uh, the Orient Express. They didn't build that set. They uh, rented this. They rented the train that was used in um, the Dracula movie from the <laughs> the Coppola one from the nineties. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And they re- redressed it, yeah. But I think I think that's actually really cool, and I don't mind they spend so much time in there because it's it's a really cool design. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. The the idea that each one of these characters on the train represents a different aspect of the ship is is interesting. I don't know that they really, you know, used it very much. I don't. I didn't really feel like they used it. Uh, oh yeah, we, yeah. We talked about that. They didn't really go into like what was going on. Yeah. Um, I, I also in my research, I, I saw that apparently the first couple of drafts of this script were so nutty. You know, and and the director said this is going to take two months to film. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I, w- I would actually like to know all the craziness that happened <laughs> in that first draft. That's they probably might make for an interesting uh, <laughs> book. Um, do you guys have a particular scene in this episode that stands out for you? I would not, and that's that's kind of going back to my <laughs> kind of complaint about the episode. Right, uh, is that it, they are just you know chasing the whole time and uh, playing catch up, and very little sticks out, stands out. Uh, you know, like we were just talking about bloodlines, and overall maybe the episode is just okay. But there are a couple of those scenes. The performances are so good, um, and they're talking about such worthy things uh, that those scenes really stick out, and I will always remember them. In emergence for me, it's like well. Yeah, that I I, re- I remember Worf shoveling coal. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, are there any scenes in this episode that you guys think stand out? Um, probably not. I mean, I could make up something, but yeah, yeah that's a no. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not nothing. No, no. Well, if I ask you what it's about, are you gonna have to make something up, or you got something for that? Well, I mean, I I I, I think you could come up with. I mean. You know, for I think that they're like, you know, they kind of wrapped it up at the end, the notion of why did they take the risk of letting this go forward? They could have stopped it. You know, Picard brings up the thing, oh, this whole, it's a little silly, the notion of all these good things happen on the ship, so how could it be not a good thing that comes out of the ship? You know, so... (laughs) You know, I gotta point out, some of the biological events that happen in my colon... (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know. All right. So I don't know. I don't know. You had to go there, Brian. That that, that notion holds up in that respect, but um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of what they're trying to go for is this idea that you know you take a risk whenever you let life move forward, but it's just it's it's so wonky and half silly. I don't know that it whatever. You you on the same page there, Caesar? Yeah, I'm respecting life in all its forms. <laughs> It's like a pack of curly straws, you know, like neon curly straws, the life. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't try to take it anywhere. You know, obviously that was like a very advanced looking, uh, 
yeah. designed in the computer CG-ish sort of thing in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad they left it the way it was and didn't try and expand on it. <laughs> it almost would have been, it's almost like it's more appropriate for the episode to me. You know? Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for Emergence. Adam has one. Adam, I believe you went first last time. So, Steve, you can go first this time. These are both episode naming questions. Mm-hmm. Arlie Reed plays the hayseed on the Orient Express. He looks good in overalls, but he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> in Next Gen's, I had some relatives that, uh, in Next Gen's sixth season, he played an Arcadian. That is not right. My autocorrect messed me over on that one. He played a waiter who was actually part of the plot to steal Trilithium and kills the king of small talk, Commander Hutchinson. Uh, they're trying to steal Trilithium from the Enterprise while it is being wiped of Baryon particles. Name the episode. Uh, is that one uh, Starship Mine? You're correct. One to one. Adam? Thomas Kopachi plays the train engineer who gets shot in the back for trying to help our crew. In the Enterprise pilot, he played Toss, one of the Vulcan diplomats living on Earth. Name that episode. <laughs> Crap, what was the name of the first Enterprise episode? Yeah, I had to ask you now since uh, in, what, four weeks? We're <laughs> All right. Um, is it Broken Arrow, right? Again, I'm going to say like I did for your first question, uh, that you are close enough that I will give you one chance to clarify your answer, much like Indiana and their laws. <laughs> Trying to think of another way to say broken arrow. Um, I got nothing. Steve, broken bow, broken bow. Bow. Okay. Uh, yep. Steve has two. Adam has one. Moving on. Preemptive Strike, Season Seven, Episode Twenty Four, Production Number Two Seventy Six. Original air date May Sixteenth, Nineteen Ninety Four. Directed by Patrick Stewart. Story by Naren Shankar. Teleplay by Renee Ekaveria. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Michelle Forbes as Ro Laren, John Franklin Robbins as Macius, Natalia Nogolich as Admiral Alina Necheyev, William Thomas Jr. as Santos, Shano Cochran as Kalita, and Richard Poe as Gol Evek. Rolaren's homecoming is interrupted when Federation ships from the renegade group the Maquis attack a Cardassian vessel near the demilitarized zone. The Enterprise is able to successfully chase away the vigilantes, and Admiral Maniche decides to send Rolaren into the Maquis community as an undercover operative. Ro is uncomfortable with the assignment since, as a Bajoran, she has spent most of her life fighting the Cardassians, but accepts the mission accepts the mission out of her loyalty to Picard. Basically, I would be leading them into a trap. That's right. If you have a problem with any of this, I need to know it now. Well, if I do, sir, it will not stop me from carrying out my duty. I knew that I could count on you. Preemptive strike, the final regular uh, episode if we can say that, of Star Trek The Next Generation. Was this a weird episode to do as their final one? Maybe, but I'm glad they did it. I'm glad it, they got it in somewhere because I like it, you know, but um, but maybe, yeah. It, it's it's a tough call what you what you do towards the end like that. I mean, you want, you want to do things for your main characters. Um, but 
to for me, you know, yeah, this is kind of a Roe Laren episode, but it's a Picard episode, you know, really. Yeah. So, yeah. And of course, we're going to get, you know, all good things. Mm-hmm. Focuses on right. our main characters, especially Picard. You know, there's some Q in there, but, you know, Q is arguably more part of this series than if you had to pick somebody outside of the primaries. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a solid episode. And, um, I just always remembered this as the, I don't know, maybe I'm uh, overplaying it, but, or giving it too much credit, but I remember this episode is seeming kind of shocking at the time, seeming kind of, you know, this is not Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. And mm-hmm. I, I don't say that in a bad way. You know, mm-hmm. I love Gene, but, you know. Well, we get um, a taste. I mean, we're in the first season of Deep Space Nine, so we kind of get a taste of this a little bit more. And with Deep Space Nine, obviously, um, Cisco is betrayed kind of in the same way. Not little, not as yeah, kind of in the same way. He probably Cisco wasn't as betrayed by somebody as close, emotionally as close to him as maybe Picard was in this situation. I think Picard kind of looked at Roe as kind of, I wouldn't say a pro, more kind of like a daughter or sister. That's kind of how I felt it, felt about her. Yeah. Um. So I, I just couldn't help but. Th- think about um you know when cisco was betrayed so just the differences between the two and because you know you have that stern look on ricard's face at the end of the episode you know kind of what he's what he's thinking yeah and obviously this is like you said this is the last regular season episode so we don't see any more about it but they but with cisco it's a you know it's a whole storyline through a whole season with him um but at least on ds9 they've they've spent a little bit more time setting that show up as you know, this new kind of Star Trek or the, you know, right. we're going to do some different things with characters and stuff. When this episode, I mean, all the stuff you're talking about was way after this episode. Right. When Preemptive Strike aired, I mean, you see where it's coming even in 94, if you saw it back then, you, you know, you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen. But still, the thought of a Starfleet officer doing this, especially someone that, I mean, think back to the other, I mean, you know, the Little Rascals episode. That person mm-hmm. is going to become a traitor, mm-hmm. you know? Um it's it's very dramatically interesting for both her and for Picard. It's dramatically interesting for for Starfleet and the, and the Star Trek universe. Um, and I don't think it was completely out of left field. You know, I I believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I do. Um, it's well, we, just, we all do. it just yeah. makes it it just makes it a little bit. We're not used to seeing that in Star Trek. And especially with these, with a character like this, that you know, she wasn't promoted to admiral or anything. Um, especially for a character that we've spent a lot of time with. Well, I, I mean, can't imagine Barkley mm-hmm. pulling a phaser on, you know, Riker to go. <laughs> but they did set up Roe as kind of a renegade. I mean, she was going. Yeah. Through, was she going through a court martial when he brought, or she'd gone through one when she when they when she was brought aboard the first time. Um, so, so you we guys. Know, you guys don't really. You, you guys never thought of this episode as kind of a, you know, one of the many steps on the way to more modern TV shows and kind of a loosening of the Gene Roddenberry uh, Star Trek um, ethos. 
I do now, but at the time, I think I was more. It's interesting. That's what I think is kind of interesting about this is that I remember. I think when I first saw it, it was mostly like, well, you know, she, you know, traitor. You know, she. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, she was. You know, it's she's a traitor, and uh, you know, she went against Picard. You know, Picard's one of my favorite characters. You know, I remember sure. that's the stuff yeah. that was in foremost in my mind. Now I recognize how grave an area it was and how mm-hmm. that, you know, she had her reasons. I mean, it, it, there's, it, it's, it's totally conceivable that she'd make that choice. You know, it's, there's questionable policy here and, and, and this kind of thing. And it's, and it's, and it's interesting because it's complex, you know, it's, I mean, was Picard wrong in trusting her? I don't, I don't know about that, but this is what happens, you know, I mean, sometimes you roll the dice and you put faith in people. I mean, that's, a, you know what it was that was telling for me when I was younger, so I wasn't – that. that's – I totally see how someone could have felt that way, especially someone that – because I, I always remember that, you know, Picard was, if not your favorite, and I knew he was one of your main mm-hmm. – you know. um, but it, it was actually her interaction with Riker mm. in that, that last scene when she says, you know, goodbye, Ro, and he says goodbye, Ro, something like that, and she says, bye, Will, tell, tell Picard this or whatever, and, and she pulls a phaser on him, but he's not – He's not like, are you crazy? Are you out of mind? Right. He doesn't say anything like that. You know, he's he's obviously a little bit sympathetic. Yeah. Hey, they they shared. Hey, they were even intimate mm-hmm. together, That's right? True. You know. Mm-hmm. So they they had this relationship. He knows that she's not a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's somehow that's actually it, it's funny because Riker's not even in this episode very much, and when he is in it, um, you know, he looks like he's wearing pajamas. <laughs> So you don't take him all that seriously, uh, but he's what grounds the episode. He's what grounds her for me in those couple of scenes, even the scene right after that that he has with Picard. Um, yeah, I didn't think of her as a traitor even then or now or then. Um, I, th- I I, I mean, she, you, in the you, strictest sense, she is. Well, yes, but I didn't feel betrayed. I didn't feel betrayed. I mean, you understood. I know you talk about all this hindsight, but we did have half a season of Deep Space Nine, so we got to know what more about what was going on in Bajor and those kind of things. And so we also knew about Roe and her past and where she came from. So it wasn't. It would have been shocking if, like, Jordy did it or something like that. But it wasn't as a shock to me. Or it didn't. Well, you you brought up uh, Cromney. What's his name? The guy from Kroll the, mm-hmm. on on. Um... DS9. What was his character's name? Anybody remember? Mm. That that joins the McKee, the red-haired the security guy. Um, yeah, yeah. That's who we were talking about earlier. Right. They always Eddington. They had their, Eddington. Eddington. That's right. Yeah. Um, you brought up Eddington earlier. Do you think that he, did he does he feel more like a traitor than than Roe did here? More or less the same? Um, he feels more because his was much more preemptive. Hers seemed kind of like more. But hers happened in an eptive, in an episode called Preemptive Strike. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I see the irony there. Um, I don't. I'll, yeah, I didn't even think about that until just now. But yeah, his was preemptive, and you know he, his was preemptive, and it was set up more because he was a care. He was. He felt like he was on that show more than Roe was on. Um, um, well, and I think a part of it is how malicious he was, you know, when he, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't that, I mean, it's because he rubbed it in, like, and he rubbed it in Cisco's like, Hey, you know, you know, here we go, Baljon and all this crap and, yeah. and you know, and then, uh, 
and for her it was just, yeah it was like you you buy it i mean it's like well she sees all these things she develops a bond with these people she has her history all this kind of stuff too and it's not like she was rubbing anyone's face she's saying well you know this is i've got to be true to myself you know i'm not going to hurt anybody you know but this is what i got to do you know so she was more sympathetic because we saw for example her conversion you know when she was with that old the old man and he dies and all that stuff we saw all those things yeah, yeah. and eddington we got i don't think he yeah. ever told Cisco a legitimate I'm sorry or anything like that, you know. And she obviously really means it when she said tells right. Riker to tell Picard she's sorry. And you guys mm, go, ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say and that, and that's and that's what the that's what's so important about seeing things, you know. I mean it's it's like when you have when you have a, a story on television or, or a film or whatever, it, it it's it's the, the seeing the interactions is so much more than hearing about it. So I mean if you if you like I don't even remember Eddington's backstory, but say that it's an he has some dialogues like, here's what they did to me and here's what they did to my family. Dah, 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 dah. Well, you don't see that happen. Yeah. You just hear him talking about it. But if you, when you see it go through and people develop and they get a connection, then there's a ramification. It's a much different thing. Well, I guess in retrospect, this probably wasn't a missed opportunity with that. Anything. I think they wanted him to be a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, yeah. Sinister. Well, they certainly wanted it to be more of a surprise that it was him. And then, yeah, I think they wanted him to be a little bit more of a... Of a, yeah, of, of a dark foil for mm-hmm. Cisco, and I don't know. Yeah, okay. So, you know, the most interesting drama is is the gray area stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Black, completely black, completely white. A lot less interesting. So I always remember. I definitely remember this episode. Um, and yeah, the performances are really good. But did, did you guys listen to the commentary on the Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they said something in that commentary I've never heard before. I've I've researched this and I've read a lot about, especially this episode over the years. I've never heard about this uh, pair play thing. All what I've always heard about the reason that Forbes agreed to do this episode because she said she didn't want to do Trek anymore. Um, you know, she, uh, of mm-hmm. course she turned down the full time gig on DS Nine. Uh, that was originally supposed to be Ro, not Kira. Um, but even for the guest starring stuff, you know, she'd moved on to features. I've always, I'd always heard about Jerry Taylor calling her, speaking with her on the phone and begging her to do it and telling her the story and having to kind of make some of the story up as she went along just to get her to do, to do it, but to make it, you know, really an interesting story for her to decide to come do it. That's what I've always heard. That's an interesting kind of dramatic story in itself. Mm-hmm. But on that commentary, they said something I've never heard before. They said that at the beginning of the season, they signed her to do two episodes and it was pay or play. So at the end of the season, they had to they had to either they had to pay her regardless of whether they put her in an episode. Right? <laughs> so well, we might as well play her. We're gonna pay her anyway. You know, I'd never heard that before. That was very I don't know. It was it kind of took the magic away from me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, oh, maybe maybe that yeah, explains thought, why. Thought, yeah, maybe that yeah. explains why this was the last regular season episode. They're like, oh, we gotta get her in. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Either, we do it or waste it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the it's interesting to me that you know it's Starfleet and not Picard that that picks Row for this mission, <laughs> and it's not like Nechev is and they're talking. There's someone on, you know, it seems obvious once they say it, but even when she says there's someone on your ship, they'd be perfect for this espionage. He doesn't say, oh, of course, Row. You know, it doesn't even occur to him um, that she would be right for this mission at the time. Um, but I like that when push comes to shove, you know, he can see, he's not, he's a very intelligent man and he can see 
the troubles that she's having. Um, and I think that she's she's just gets yeah, yeah one way he can approach it is a little bit softer. Let's talk about this and remember your duty and honor. And he could have gone that way, but I don't think he ha- I don't think he was able to because she was in so deep. Even something in a practical way, like you're sitting there in that bar having that discussion, you know, and you're, you're a few words quietly. How are you going to really convince somebody? The Starfleet's way is the right way in that mm-hmm. kind of situation. So I think he has no choice but to kind of resort to, you know, yeah, I know yeah, I'm yeah. kind of a mentor for you, and we have some a sort of relationship here, uh, as evidenced from the very beginning of the episode when he got her out of that party. You know, he knows her and stuff. Um, but let me just say that if you jeopardize this mission, I will court-martial you. I will have you court-martialed. You know, he just has to kind of go there. Mm-hmm. Um, in retrospect, I don't think that was. I mean, I think that was. It was good writing and the right thing for the scene but i think that probably hampered him you know because mm-hmm. at the same time you had you know the old guy saying i could all i always knew you were one of us that line always made me when he says i knew from the first time i met you that in your heart you were one of us when he says in your heart mm-hmm. that always made me wonder if if maybe he suspected something but mm-hmm. but he knew that you know that she would convert yeah you know i was kind of wondered about that mm. I, I think i and, and you know that kind of i thought that bar scene's interesting in that their last exchange and all of that because of the way i mean it's nothing new that kind of notion of playing against you know where they're having a very serious discussion but all over each other and this kind of thing but it is kind of unusual for star trek and i and so i think that 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 scene made me laugh because i thought <laughs> Patrick Stewart directed this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet that scene was like, you know, over over the communicator or something. Right, right. right. The script or something. You know what I think we should do? <laughs> I think it better. It's very dramatically interesting. Yes. Yeah. They, should, they should kiss and. T- <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think Gene Roddenberry would have approved of this episode? I think he would have had a problem. Uh, he'd had his objections, certainly. I mean, she wasn't one of the main characters, but she certainly was a primary recurring character for some of the duration of the show. So he'd had problems with it. Certainly. What about the Maquis in general? Yeah. Would that even be happening? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this couldn't possibly have happened in the second or third season when he still had, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it was a good thing, but do you, do you think that ultimately for Star Trek, it was a good thing to start to branch out dramatically? I think we'd all say yes to that, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's this episode about? Honor, duty, family, finding your way. Um, obviously, Ro has all these internal conflicts within herself. Um from day one where she doesn't feel like she's um, a part of anything. And the closest that she comes is on the enterprise. And, but it wasn't enough for her to, to stay there. She felt, um, you know, she, you know, like she told Riker, she felt that she found her place, um, with these people and, and their fight and their cause and that kind of thing. And so, um, a lot of it's kind of about finding yourself. 
And I think what's interesting is that, you know, it depends on your point of view. It's not like they're not conflicting messages, but in a way, because you can take the, you can look at this viewpoint of Roe or you can look at the viewpoint of Picard and come up with two different messages in a way that aren't really, you know, conflicting messages, but are different. You know, I mean, like you just said, for Roe, it's this, you, you've got to go with what is right for you. You know, there, there's duty and honor is something, but, you know, it that doesn't mean blind loyalty, blind right. duty, you know, and this kind of yeah. thing. For Picard, it's a kind of a different message, right? I mean, it's that he's kind of discovering that same thing, but from the perspective of someone else. But from for him, it's this notion of, you know, if you're going to put, if you're going to put your faith in someone, if you're going to go in and, you know, you're going to um, mentor somebody and you, ultimately you've got to let them go. You've got to let them take their path yeah. and you may or may not, um, like dig where it goes, but that's that's how it is. You just use you, you know, kind of like a parenting thing, a mentor thing, whatever. You ultimately got to give them all you can, give them all the lessons you can, and then just let them go. Do you think any part of Picard understood why Roe did what she did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he did. Kind of yeah. like you said, Riker knows she's not nuts. Picard knows she's not nuts either. I mean, if Picard's Picard's a good enough judge of character. It's not that in the end, that's what I think is the struggle for him. He's sitting there and he he's angry. You can see it. He's angry, but it's I don't probably think more he, at her. Uh, not at her. It's probably at himself for yeah. I think putting so. her in that situation. Yeah, it's it's com- it's complex, right? Because in a way. Your your knee jerk reaction is he's mad because oh I put my faith in this person and and you know and they betrayed Starfleet that's probably what I thought twenty years ago when I saw it and now it's um, the anger of like you just said I put someone in, the, in this position so they had to make this choice now ultimately was that the best for them maybe but because of just the the way things go sometimes you know you have to part company or go different ways with people i mean you know so to him the point of failure would have been casting her in, in, in for this mission in the first place i guess like yeah, but yeah. you know what choice do you have in a way though is it's a little bit of you know what do yeah. you do you know stuff happens yeah. you know all right so a, a solid way to uh end the you know regular episodes so let's move on to six degrees for preemptive strike I believe Steve has two and Adam has one. Correct. So, Adam, I will let you choose whether you're going first or second. Um, I'll go first. Shannon Cochran plays Kalita, the McKee that doesn't quite trust Roe. In the DS9 episode, You Are Cordially Invited, she played Sorella, the Klingon mistress slash head of Witch House. Um, the house of... House of Moog? No, that's Worf's... Um... Oh, what the heck is his name? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Sorry. Go for it, Steve. Martok? Yep. Martok. Steve, in Star Trek Nemesis, Cochran played a, Ro- a Romulan that executes the entire Romulan Senate to help whom come to power. Oh, to yeah, help. yeah, yeah. Um... Jeez, Louise. <laughs> to help who is it? To help who come to power? Or to help whom? No, it's whom, right? To help whom come to power? I believe. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that doesn't still have that doesn't, that doesn't the help name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I block that one out, that movie. Let me think. Um, uh, let's see. Gosh, come on. Holy cow. <laughs> I'm trouble coming up with the name. Jeez. 
I am blanking right now on the name of that. Okay. Mm. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Actor. Yeah. Uh, Adam? What was the question again? Tom Hardy's character in Nemesis. Right. In Star Trek oh. Nemesis, Cochran played a Romulan that executes the entire Romulan Senate to help whom come to power. That would be Tom Harding's character. Are you looking for the Tom Hardy character name or the yeah, the character? Race? Oh, um, the the villain in Star Trek Nemesis. Okay. <laughs> the Sorry. Nemesis in Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I can't. Um. Yeah, you guys are gonna kick yourselves on yeah, this. Yeah. Yes. This is one of those times I always I always imagine our listeners. You know, listening to us in the car, which is where most people listen to podcasts, yelling at the radio. Uh, Idiots. Uh, Yeah, dummies. I don't know. It's They're yelling at the radio, shins on! Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, folks. Um, Steve takes it for the day. So we are a little over on our time, I think. A couple of things we're going to talk about. We will save those because I have a feeling next week, you know or in two weeks, we're going to have some extra time since we're sort of only discussing two episodes, which is really one long episode called All Again Things, which I'm so excited to watch in high yes. depth in two weeks. Um, reminder, well, might not do any good, but we're, we're going to be posting this episode on Thursday, April 2nd. On April 3rd and 4th, Friday and Saturday, I will be down in Anaheim at WonderCon. If any of our listeners are going to be around, send me a tweet or an email. Um, and then also a couple weeks later, I'll be in Anaheim for a Star Wars celebration if any of our listeners are going to be down there for that. I'm not sure which days I'm going to go yet. At least I'm, at least, a, at least for sure one day, probably a couple of days. i got a four-day pass, so I'll figure it out. Um, so I had a couple emails I wanted to address, but we're over, so I'll save those. Uh, let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash truckcompanion. Our Twitter, Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And uh, episode archive, all our episodes are on Podbean. And uh, you know what? We haven't asked this in a while, so I'll throw it out there. Um, go to iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, you know, and like uh, leave us a five star review. That would be great. Even just if you just click in the five stars and you don't have time to write anything, even just clicking the five stars is awesome because it's what helps people find us. Um, and we really appreciate that. So if you got got a minute, you want to jump over to iTunes and do that, that'd be great. Um, so thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And uh, look forward to wrapping up Next Gen with you in two weeks. It really was weird watching these episodes. It, was, it felt like I was finishing the series for the first time in a way. Um, but we'll see what that feels like in two weeks when, uh, when we do all good things. Uh, so until next time, thanks again and take it easy. Bye. See you. I passed it.